thankfulness. Thankfulness. Passages in scripture that deal with thankfulness. We're now at the time of year where many people want to go straight from trick-or-treating to putting up their Christmas tree. And while I am very excited about Christmas too, there's a time of year that we dedicate especially to being thankful. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it's slowly disappearing out of our cultural perspective. So I ask you a question today. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? I found a list of five things that somebody was thankful for, so let me share them with you today. Um, automatic dishwashers. They said they make it possible to get out of the kitchen before the family comes in for their after dinner snacks. Thankful for husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house because they usually make them big enough to call in the professionals. <laughs> Thankful for children who put away their things and clean up after themselves. They're such a joy that you hate to see them go home to their own parents. <laughs> that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty creative. Gardening. It's a relief to deal with dirt outside the house for a change. And smoke alarms because they let you know when your turkey's all done. Well, at the grocery store picking up a turkey, there was a little boy. And he looked at his mom and he said, Mom, Thanksgiving should come after Christmas. Because then we'd have things to be thankful for. And I think for many people, that is the attitude that we carry. We're tremendously blessed. There's no arguing that. We are tremendously blessed. We have the Word of God. The answers to the difficulties that come in life. How can you say you're not blessed? You know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. No matter what trials come, how can you say that you're not blessed? You serve a God who is over all things, who is greater than all things, who... How can you say that you're not blessed. How many of you this morning took a hot shower? Don't raise your hand. How can you say you're not blessed? How many of you had running water to brush your teeth? How can we say we're not blessed? How many of you had to walk the church today? How can we say that we're not blessed? As Christians, we know that we are blessed beyond words. From the strongest person to the weakest person, from the poorest to the most wealthy, we all have so many things that we can praise God, that we can thank God for, and we should thank God for, because thankfulness is a part of the Christian life. It's a part of our worship and the way that we are to engage with our God. See, as Christians, we have someone to thank. I read a statement that said a, a bad moment for an atheist is when he feels grateful because there's absolutely no one to truly thank. Today we're going to look at Psalm 100, a great psalm of thanksgiving. If you brought your Bible with you this morning, open up the Psalm 100. If not, it's going to be on the screen. You can pull out your phone and follow along with me. We're going to do as we normally do. We're going to read the passage first and we will come back. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people. 
the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever in his faithfulness to all generations. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that you would bless our time studying your word today. We thank you, Lord, for um, just the opportunity we have to praise you. Lord, as I, I forgot to mention the Keeler family as we prayed together, Lord, we pray for them as well, that you would strengthen them and provide healing. Father, bless our time today and speak truth to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We start with, with verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Now some of you, when you sing, you make a beautiful noise. Some of you do not. Some of you just make noise. But we can all make a joyful noise. We can all make a joyful noise because a joyful noise isn't dependent upon whether or not you're on key. It's dependent upon where your heart is. We can all make a joyful noise to the Lord. We often associate the idea of a joyful noise with singing. Is your life a joyful noise to the Lord? Are you regularly making a joyful noise to the Lord? <coughs> this week our church family lost a dear brother. And uh, I'm not going to say uh, much about um, our brother Barry, we'll talk about him on, we'll talk about him tomorrow, and there's so much to say. But when I read this verse, the thought, first thing that came to my mind, who makes a joyful noise? And who better embodied that than Barry, the first thing you come at the door, right? Right? Man, it's so good to see you today. I'm so glad. Fly, eagles, fly, he would say, right? As he shook your hand, his life was a living embodiment to making a joyful noise to the Lord. And I did hear Barry sing, and he did make a joyful noise. He could sing okay. <laughs> but is your life a joyful noise? As you look at this first verse, imagine, imagine with me being in an old time when you had a king entering into his kingdom and, and all of the people, all of the crowds celebrating a triumphal entry. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Sarah and I, a couple of years ago, uh, went to FedEx Field, which is where the Redskins play, the football team plays, and, and we got to go and watch Chelsea Football Club, right, which is my favorite soccer team. They were over from England play against Barcelona. It was, it was awesome. It was fantastic. It was one of the most thrilling experiences in my life. 80,000 people, right, in this stadium. 80,000 people. And, and Barcelona is a huge team, one of the most, arguably the most famous team in the world. Chelsea's up there as well, and it was, it was crazy. We went in, and, and but every time, every time a team would score, the joy and the sound that would fill the stadium, right? I mean, just the roar that came. It was like when the Eagles used to win. Do you guys remember that, when the Eagles used to win? I'm just kidding. But, but it, was, it was such an awesome thing. And Chelsea won at the end and penalty kicked and we got to walk out excited and, and just really happy. Make a joyful noise. Is your life a joyful noise to the goodness of God in your life? Because God's good no matter what your circumstances look like. God's good no matter how difficult you feel the road you're walking is right now. And there's always, there's always the opportunity no matter how difficult the journey to make a joyful noise to the Lord. 
The next, the next part of this verse, all the earth. All the earth, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every background, make a joyful noise and there will come a day when every knee will bow before the King of Kings. Are you living a joyful noise in your life? Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Do you serve God with gladness? So one of the questions that we have to think about in our, in our busy culture that we exist in today, right? I mean, how many people say that, that they're busier today than they've ever been before in their life? That includes retired people, right? Don't just think it's the younger people. I've talked to retired people who say, man, I, I've never been this busy in my life because I'm going here and I'm going there and I'm with family here and I'm over there. I'm... But we know that we're to bring God glory in everything that we do and we're to serve him with gladness in everything that we do. And so the way that you're at your job, the way that you work is part of serving the Lord in your life. Are you serving with gladness? Or are you allowing yourself to be overcome with an attitude of misery? What about Sunday morning? You know, in today's society, outside of your normal schedule, anything is an inconvenience, right? And so the, the reality of it is that even in churches, even in churches, many people aren't serving with gladness. They're serving with an attitude of, I have to do this and I don't want to do this. But that's not what the scripture tells us. And we're going to see why we should serve the Lord with such gladness and such excitement and such joy. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we remembered this verse every moment of every day? Would it change the way you live your life? Maybe you embody this verse and you live it out every moment. When you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and just does a really stupid move when they're driving, is your response something that brings glory to God? <laughs> I always figured that like one soft beep was okay, <laughs> but anything longer than two seconds probably wasn't loving. I'm just joking. I, I hold down the horn sometimes. Sarah's listening. If she was here, she'd say, Amen, Amen. <laughs> but in today's society, outside of serving God, outside of your normal schedule, do you still serve God with gladness? Do you still view serving God as a privilege and something that we must do in our lives? And that we should do with a rejoicing spirit. This idea of coming to his presence with singing. I mean, you, you sense the celebration that exists here, right? That it's not, it's not coming into and saying, I have to serve the Lord today, so I'm going to come in and I'm going to teach, teach my class. No, it's, it's, you know what? I get to serve God today. You know why? Because of how good he is. Because of how faithful he is. Because of how, and, and we'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we come in with singing with an attitude of rejoicing. But there are times in life when we don't want to be glad. I think we've all witnessed the difference between someone serving with a heart of gladness and serving with a heart of unhappiness. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So today, if, if you're sitting there and saying, you know, Tony, my, my heart is just not one of gladness. I think we can all say this morning that we've been there. We've been there. 
when, when serving feels like an inconvenience, when there's just too much on your plate, let me encourage you that the Lord will give you strength to keep on. And don't grow weary, because He will give you what you need. See, verse 2 points us to how we should rejoice over the goodness and the graciousness of God. And we're placed again in a perspective of rejoicing. Come into His presence with singing. In verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. There's an assurance, a confidence that all believers should have. That the Lord is God. Think about that statement with me for a moment. Because I think oftentimes in our own lives, we pretend that we're God. I'm sure you've heard that, that people like to try and fit God into a box, to be just like they want God to be. The reality of it is, in life, you have control over very little, if anything. At any moment, any situation in your life could change. We looked at what happened with Jeremiah last week in the book of Lamentations. Not that we're not supposed to be good stewards of what God's given us. But hear me today when I say this. That as Christians, we rest in the fact that, that knowing whatever tomorrow holds, it's because God's allowed it to happen. Whatever happens after you leave this service today, it's because God's allowed it to happen. So you can do everything right, and difficulties still might come. When the stock market crashed, there are people that lost tons of money. A good friend of mine. And it made him have to work. He had to work longer. He wasn't able to retire when he wanted to retire. That's a change of plans, right? Yet I never once heard him complain about it. And he always pointed to the fact that God was in control and God's good. Know that the Lord, He is God. Serve that God with gladness. It's He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. It speaks of God as our ultimate ruler, as our ultimate authority. It speaks of the relationship that exists. If we're the sheep of His pasture, it reminds us again that He is our shepherd. He is our guide. He cares for His sheep. And we can rest in that. I don't know about you, but there's something about knowing that God is God and I'm not that is a huge relief. <laughs> I struggle to make the decisions that I have to make in my own life. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. There's an old song, remember? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, right? I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. What comes next? I will rejoice. I couldn't remember, so I'm glad you could. I will rejoice. We come in with an attitude of thankfulness. See, that should be our hearts. Whenever we enter His gates. Now, now what does that mean, enter His gates? Because think through that for a moment. Well, does that mean coming in the doors to church? <laughs> does that mean that, 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 when, I, that when I go home and, and if my house, I've given it to the Lord, that when I enter my door, that means I should come in with thanksgiving? Well, let me ask you a question. When are you in the presence of Almighty God? Always. Every moment of every day. Every second. Every millisecond. Everything that comes after a millisecond. You are in the presence of God. 
Should we not live a life that is filled with thanksgiving? Again, we have here this picture, make a joyful noise to the Lord of the earth that almost points to a king entering his kingdom. And when we come in the presence of God, we should be filled with thanksgiving and praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. A psalm of thanksgiving. When you come before the king, come with thanksgiving. When you come before the ruler of all, come with praise. Bless his name. I, I hope you see the theme that exists in this psalm. And, and we, we will look at a couple of other verses here in a minute. But the reality of it is, the theme of thankfulness is one that's carried throughout the whole scriptures. From beginning to end. Praising God for who he is. That he truly is the ruler over all. That he truly is good. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice sometimes. No, rejoice always. Always. In the most difficult circumstance you find yourself in, rejoice. In the best circumstance that you find yourself in, rejoice. Well, what do you rejoice in? You don't necessarily have to rejoice in the circumstance that happens, right? But you rejoice in knowing that God's God and you're not, right? That God's in control and, and you're not. That God ultimately is working all things together for the good of those who love him. And we can rest in that truth. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will. You know, oftentimes people will talk about trying to find the will of God. I, I can't tell you how many people I've met with, and they say, Tony, if, if I could only know the will of God for my life, <laughs> if I could only, I need to figure out, uh, should I marry this person? Is that what God wants for me? My mom might be listening today, and, and she, she told me that when, when Sarah and I were dating, she said, uh, you know, Tony, when, when we were engaged, she told me this while we were engaged, she said, um, my prayer for you is that if God wants you to get married, that it's going to happen, and if he doesn't, that you break up. I was like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks, yeah, that's real encouraging. Like, but, but that is the prayer that should be prayed. And that's the prayer that we should pray in our lives. I'm not just talking about getting married, but in everything. God, if this is what you want, make it clear and let it happen. And if it's not, make it clear. The will of God for your life is that in whatever circumstance you are in, you rejoice, you pray, and you give thanks. See, as a believer... There's always something in our lives, always, that we can thank God for. As an Eagles fan, there's not much that you can be thankful for. I, I can just feel the, the eyes burning at me right now, and it's all right. Even if you have your mask up, I can still see through your eyes. That... But as a believer, there's always something that we can be thankful for. There's always something that we can praise God for. See, thanksgiving is to be part of our prayer. It's part of our life. We're told in Philippians that even when we're anxious, we're to come to God with thanksgiving first and then presenting our requests. There's something different about that, isn't it? Have you ever thought about that before? That if you truly come to God with the perspective of thankfulness, it changes. It changes the things that you're worried about. 
and it changes the way you respond to them. I truly believe that if we don't pray about something and we respond, our response is usually different than if we would have spent time on our knees praying about it. Maybe the Lord has to soften our heart. Maybe the Lord wants to provide us a different perspective. But we're told to approach God with thanksgiving. And then finally, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Now I want to start with, with verse 5, the very first line of that. And then we're actually going to go back to Lamentations, which we looked at last week, because there's a lot of similarities here in, in, the, circumstance, in, in, the, uh, in the wording. But verse 5, for the Lord is good. It, it's, it's a statement. See, the, when we look at the world around us right now, the world's not good, <laughs> right? Morality is, has just tanked all the way across the board. And, and even before morality tanked, the world wasn't good, right? We live in a Genesis 3 world. One of the biggest lies that Satan wants people to believe is that we're good people, right? Is that we're good people? When the truth is, the Bible says the heart of man is wicked. But there's one who's good. See, we, we look around us and we see the lack of morality. We see the indifference that people have towards wrong and towards evil. We see the justification of, of sin. We see the celebration of sin. I mean, there's, there, there's literally parties celebrating sin. How can people say that the world is good? But there's one who is. Do you remember when Jesus is asked that question? And he says, why do you say that I'm good? Is it not only God who is good? And that might not be the exact wording. I, I, I didn't have it in my notes here, but, but, but the, the, the whole idea is that God alone is good. And of course Jesus was good. It was all in the question that he was asking this man. Realize that. The Lord is good. That his plans that he has are good. We worship him in that and we give thanks. Look at the next two lines. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. I want to go back to Lamentations 22-23. We looked at this um, last week. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you see the association between the two passages? Different books, but very similar. That God's good. But then we see the steadfast love, and you see the same words used, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, or the love endures forever. It's a very similar concept, right? The idea of forever is something that doesn't really fit in our minds and in our understanding, because we might say that we understand forever, but we really don't, right? We, we are very, we're start and go people, right? Start and stop people. We, that's how we function. But God's love goes forever. His faithfulness is to all generations. And we're thankful for that. Because we know, like Romans 8.28 says, that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. His steadfast love endures forever. The unconditional love of God endures forever. An enduring love is a merciful love. It's a gracious love. It's a strong love. It's a love that works through pain. It's a love that doesn't change. 
Spurgeon said, and I think this is, this is great, so long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. So long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. So are you thankful? Are you thankful? When I look at the very last line of Psalms 100, and his faithfulness to all generations. When I look around at what I see happening in the country or around the world, the danger is to say, what kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? Are my grandkids going to grow up in? Are their grandkids going to grow up in? That was a genuine concern of mine before Nehemiah was born. As I looked at trends that I saw happening in different places, and, and I thought about how blessed I was as a child to grow up the way that I grew up, and, and I looked at things that to me looked very disturbing and very concerning. But see, I was looking at the wrong thing. My eyes were on the wrong thing. Because even though the world might be evil, it might be filled with a lack of morality, the hearts of men might be wicked, and there might be horrible things. The God that I serve is faithful to all generations. To all generations. And so today is, if you've ever thought that thought before, and I've had some of you verbalize that to me, right? That you're concerned about what the future looks like. Listen, I, I think there's an, a, a truth to, to looking and saying, man, I wish things were different here, and I'd like to change things here. But the reality of it is, is that no matter what lies ahead, the God that we serve is the same God, right? Of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Moses, of Abraham. That God's faithful to all generations including the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And so while I might look at circumstances and see something that's concerning, God's faithfulness never changes. His power never changes. And His love endures forever. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that your love is steadfast, even when we are not. We thank you for your mercy, which was demonstrated on Calvary's cross, and we continue to see each and every day. Lord, I, I can't help but think, as I look at, at this psalm, I, I can't help but be reminded of what happened almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to die for my sins, the sins of the world. God, we are ever so thankful. Lord, help us to be a thankful people. May that be one of the traits that sets us apart from the world. That even in the most difficult times, even in the, the, the most painful times, we are a people who are thankful because of who you are. And because you are God, and we are not. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close our time together,